What's up, what's up, what's up, podcast audience? Welcome to another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Got a calling, duck calling, duck call operation podcast with you today. Chris Sivrio, my partner in Jargon Game Calls, jargongamecalls.com. We're talking the megaphore. We're talking control and balance and feeling the read and feeling the call, letting it become a beak, your apparatus to speak that jargon. Um, just the way this call's built, the top end, all the way down to the bottom end and your fine ducks, your coarse ducks, your raspy ducks, your boss ends. You can get the entire range of mallard duck hens with the megaphore by Jargon Game Calls. And I'm fired up about it. And you're going to hear the theme, the common theme throughout this episode that it truly is becoming a, a favorite of a lot of people where they're putting it on their lanyard and they're only reaching for it. So check it out. It's Chris Sifrio. It's Jargon Game Calls. It's the megaphore single read duck call. The Foul Life Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is also Brought to you by our friends and family at Mallard View Outdoors, the ice eater, the original ice eater. Keep the honey hole open. If it's iced, break the ice open, get an ice eater in there. If you see the forecast and cold weather's coming, freezing temperatures, get a Mallard View Outdoors ice eater in there and make sure that those ducks have a way to see your decoy spread. There's nothing worse than big chunks of ice in your hole. There's nothing worse than your honey hole freezing. I love hunting a hole with ice around it, full body Canada geese or Mallard duck full bodies on the edges, bunch of floaters in the middle. If it's legal in your state, check your local state regulations, your laws and regulations. Can you keep it in there moving the water, making a current, shaking your decoys up? There's nothing finer than a sunshine bluebird day with an ice hole, with an ice eater in it. It is absolute time to get after them. Today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Rob Roberts Custom Gun Works Arkansas. My man, Rob Roberts, the gun doctor, the gun nerd. This dude is absolute magic with the Cerakote, the forcing cones, the trigger compartments, the slammer buttons, the choke tubes, the sights, everything that he does, the engraving. He's responsible for so many happy faces when they put that Benelli to their shoulder during duck season, goose season, turkey season. I have so many different Rob Roberts models and the man is just a magician. I love him as a human being. He supports our culture. Again, Arkansas based Rob Roberts, custom gun works, check them out and get your Benelli fitted, get it executing patterned on paper. His, his patterning system is unreal. His choke tubes, his constrictions. I absolutely love Rob Roberts. Thank you. My brother from another mother, mother. Today's episode of the foul life podcast is also brought to you by Deemer box. We love audio. We love music. We love country music and rock music and hip hop. We like jazz. We like it all. We like the blues. We like it all. And Deemer Box, quality sound, quality sound out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You got the DB1 with one speaker, the DB2 with two speakers. Charge your cell phone, put the plug in it, float it, put a couple cold beers and ice in there, put your hunting licenses in there, your pistol, tow it behind your float tube when you're fly fishing. The Deemer Box puts out great sound clarity you can pair them together up to eight units it's easy to pair them we got them around our pool parties around our hunting camps we don't need surround sound anymore we don't need a big speaker system installed and wires ran anymore blue we just bluetooth to our deemer box and bam there you have it today's episode is also brought to you by oakley the one and only oakley iowa we've been with them eight years now we still can't believe we got to pinch ourselves Are you kidding me oakley o-a-k-l-e-y so cal eye protection is so important so many different models we believe in all of them from the frog skins to the Holbrooks, Holbrooks to the fuel cells. Every single model they make, we believe in. You'll see us wearing them on every episode of Benelli's The Foul Life airing right now exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. And last but not least, today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Bad Boy Mowers. Arkansas, big pots of land. If you got it, you got grass. 
look no further. Many different models, the tractors, the mowers, the zero turn, Arkansas again, base company, Northeast Arkansas. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you, Mr. Phil. We just had a great time in Kansas City for the opening of the Bull Riders, the PBR, the Kansas City Outlaws, which Bad Boy Mowers is part of, sponsor of, as well as Outlaw Snacks, the new potato chips available right now at Sam's Club, Costco, other retailers across the country. Outlaw Snacks, get them. The flavors, the honey sriracha, the ranch, unbelievable taste, crispiness. They are awesome potato chips we've made duck nachos pulled pork nachos with them we love it bad boy mowers thank you for letting us be part of your family again thank you all for the downloads the subscriptions this is the foul life podcast my guest today is chris cifrio co-founder and owner our partner in jargon game calls talking about the mega four single read mallard duck call hope you all enjoy it i want to talk about the mega four um we've been talking a little bit off camera about it but it really is uh, all around go-to call as far as if you want to get a cut down sound if you want to get loud and way out there if you want to bark at them if you want to break them down and then once it's got such good control over it that the the consensus that i get from listening to people when they blow it or after they buy it is that it's the best duck call that they've ever operated um I keep saying blow a duck call. I hate when I say that because I don't, I really don't think you blow operate. a duck call. You operate a duck call. But what, what are the, what, give me like a list of specifications that. What do you need for specifications on a lot? Just, you don't need to give me the exact tolerances, but what are the, the, the bullet points that make the Mega 4 what it is, in your opinion? Is it the exhaust? Is it the, what, what is it, the inside diameter? Is it the gut system? Why are we getting such good response from our customer base and our fan base about this Megafor? The, the, I think the main thing is, is that you can get extremely quiet on it, but you can get obnoxious loud. I mean, extremely loud on it. But you can, it can get down to a whisper. I mean, it literally can get down to just a whisper. And the feed call, I mean, you take a call that, that has really good volume, right? Nine times out of 10, it's not going to have a good bottom end. It's just not. And so, you know, the live duck, it's got good top end, but it's not nearly as loud as a megaphone. And I wanted a call to where you can just barely put on it and get your quacks, get your fine hen, your coarse hen, your raspy hen, get a little feed call, a little single cut, double cut. But also, when you want to rip back, rear back, and rip on it, you can do that. And so, what makes it so special is is the tone board. I mean, the way the tone board is. I mean, a good tone board is going to have is going to follow that contour, and it's just going to drop off. And so, of course, you know, I've cut hundreds, hundreds of tone boards before, and I've got a whole box full of them before I got to this one. And I got I got one about three years ago two years ago that I thought was okay, that I thought was just right. And then I slowly started tweaking with it again. And actually this call is machined to have uh, sand marks. Like anybody knows what a duck call, to open a call up, to make it come alive, you have to sand on it, okay? But I wanted a call to where when you, when a tone board, when you pulled it out of the machine, that it was done. You didn't have to sand on it. And the reason why is because very hard as a human to sand on it consistently every single time perfectly. And so going back to, I wanted it just perfect every single time to where when I put a read in it, that's all I got to do. As long as my reads cut exactly the same, 
and my and my uh, wedge is exactly the same, tone board exhaust exactly the same, barrels exactly the same. It's going to blow exactly the same. And so I truly tell people, and I mean it, it's just true, is that when you get a call, a megaphore or small talk or loudmouth or an icebreaker, it's exactly how my call is. You know, I might have a little bit shorter read in it. Uh, somebody might have to put a little bit longer read in it, but it's exactly tuned the exact same way. Um, of course, if somebody leans on a call really hard, blows really hard, put a little bit longer read in it. But I find with people that I had a guy the other day pick up a megaphone. He, he was overblowing it at first because he just blows cut down calls. And I said, layer back. Just don't, you know, kind of lean back on it. Don't, don't blow so hard. I was like, it's, it's nothing but control. Just control the call. And man, he just started, he's like, dude, it's so easy. I don't, I'm not out of breath. And so you open, if you open your throat and you blow that hot air through the call, you're not going to lock this call down. You're not going to get it to where it sticks. It's going to stay open. It's just, I mean, it's, I talked about the live duck last time, you know, love the live duck. But if I'm going to get aggressive and I just got to really, we got we're standing in the timber prairie wings, wherever, and we got to get really aggressive with the ducks, every one of us should be blowing megaphone. It's just the sound is totally different. When you start talking about the initial part of grabbing the megaphone, you, you mentioned the different parts and components of the call. To operate the call with the, the desire to do what you're talking about, get loud, get control, get quiet, do everything that the megaphore does. How does our hand go on to the insert initially? How do you tell somebody how to hold their hand? Because you see a lot of people that'll have the middle finger up. They'll have, they'll flap their hand really fast. They'll bend their wrist. Some people, some people keep their wrist real straight. Some people move it in and out. Um, what, what is the right hand position for this style of duck call? For this style of duck call, I mean, and, and that's the reason why there's a, there's a, you know, groove right round right here. That's why I made it rounded and I made it to where, you know, this band fits up flush up against the acrylic. That way, if you're going up and down the call, moving it around, going, pushing your hand down, it's comfortable for one thing. But the main thing is it's just the perfect fit because that's how I grab a call right there. And really, you shouldn't take your fingers and spread them apart. You should keep your fingers close-knit together, tight together. And all you're trying to do is, is basically act like a megaphone. You know, you're trying to make that call and that pressure hit off, hit off the, you know, the inside of your hand. And so, you know, when I'm feed calling, I'm nine times out of ten, I'm going to cup it. I'll go back and forth every once in a while, but nine times out of ten, I'm going to cup that call because I'm going to get that back pressure. I want that call feeding back to me the whole time. A good call on the tone board when you grab it, I said it over and over again. It's gonna it's gonna give back to you. It's not gonna just whenever you blow through the call, it just burp and it's done. Burp, it's done. You know, that's hold in a call. You take a, a live duck, that's really you, if you call. blow if you blow any more calls, right? If you blow any more calls, turn the other way, please. So I the audio Got catches. It. So again, this 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 is a live duck. This is the real tree call, which they have on their website right now. Beautiful. This call, call has a lot of hold in. 
And that, that's that back pressure and that hole given back to you, right? That's, that's what makes it to where you can get on the bottom end and you really can finesse and get low dose. Same thing with the Megaphor, which is going to be a little more open. Scoot back when you blow this one. Scoot back away from the microphone. For some reason, I'm not picking it up on all of that. It, it, it drifted out at the end of that little rendition on the, on the real tree call. Okay. This is the rasp on the Megaphor. Can you hear that? Yes. So, you know, it's a little bit looser. Um, but but you do have your hand 99% of the time closed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cup, cupped over. Yeah, I'm, I'm closing my hand. The only time I'm not going to close my hand, and I don't know if it's going to cut out on the camera. Well, turn all the way, turn all the way away from me. Whenever I rip it on top. Did it cut out? A little bit. And you were talking about it being versatile, right? You know, really, there's no need. I mean, I've got one. I have one that, you know, is made up, but we're just not releasing it right anytime soon. But a, a cut down call, you take this and you actually throw it out like kind of a cut down call style. You can do the same thing on this call, and it's just as loud. It's just a different sound. You know, a cut-down call has got a deeper tone to it. You know, bah, 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 bah. this got that, that high end, that voice on top. That bah, 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 bah. So um, the Megaphore, like I said, I, that's why it's selling so good, is that everybody wants to get loud. Everybody wants to get aggressive nowadays. And, you know, also be able to, on the bottom end, be able to finish the ducks. And that call is perfect for it. Can't get a better call for it. And where is where is your tongue when you're doing that? What you just did when you turned around and you got on that top end, where is the tip of your tongue when you hit that call to get that? Because it's ducky. Your top end's very ducky. Where is the tip of your tongue and what shape is your tongue in? My tongue's at the bottom of my mouth. The tip is? Yeah. Bottom of my mouth up against my teeth. And I never, I never take my tongue and use my tongue as a stopping of air. Ever. I always use my throat. My throat is everything as far as cutting my air off. Getting fine hens, coarse hens, raspy hens. It just slowly opens a little more and more and more and more. You pinch your throat. You don't pinch your tongue. So when you want to get fine hen or you want to get low, on the bottom end, you want that airway just to start getting smaller, right? And that hunting style hail or that, you know, hail call or that big boss hen on the top is nothing but keeping your tongue at the bottom, opening your throat and finding that perfect happy medium on the openness of your throat. I just find it. If I have it too open, it's too raspy or I might overblow the call. If I have it too closed down, I might pinch the call off. So it's finding that happy medium exactly where you be. But it's definitely blowing that hot air, and it's coming from your diaphragm. It's coming from here. 
It's not, you know, puff your cheeks and, and blow into the call or, or rock it like a rubber band. You know, a lot of people rubber band it <laughs> and then they run out of air. You want to take it to where it's barely any, any air coming in there. Um, and uh, it's just little bits of air, little bits of air. You know, on a hell call, you ought to be able to take it and string it out. You know, you can take one breath and, and probably do a, I can probably do a 12, 13 note hell call, just stringing it out. Same thing as you're doing on a, on a hell call as far as on the main street. You know, you're rearing back, you're holding that air in there, and you're just pushing it through. But with the tongue, you're talking about getting the air streams, the, the flow of air smaller to get down on that finer hand, low end, stuff like that. So the tip of the tongue is anchored behind your bottom teeth, kind of where your gum line meets your teeth. Is that what you would say, where you would anchor the tip of your tongue? Is it anchored down there? And then kind of for a visual, for a visual, you have like a, a, a gum ball underneath there that's kind of bridging your gun up. So is your tongue kind of in the shape of the roof of your mouth? It's curved to where your tongue is kind of curved like that. And then the air is right here to where when you press your tongue up more, you kind of shrink that airflow and that's how you're starting to get your, your raspy and your, and your old and your boss hen and your fine hen and all that. No, it's not my tongue. It's going to be basically when I, when I take in a, but my tongue's going to stay stationary. The only time that my tongue might move a little bit is when I'm really trying to get raspy on a rattling feed. Like it'll kind of vibrate a little bit in the bottom of my mouth, but as far as for a hell call or, or throwing a course, you know, fine coarse raspy hen everything's my throat it's just like when i'm talking like this or i'm talking like that right i'm pinching my throat down to talk like that so that's exactly how i'm doing it it's the same way you sing you know you try to sing like a girl right you know you try to mimic her voice and get the high pitch that's exactly what you're doing with your throat i think the i've seen a lot of guys that are really good artists singers that can blow the heck out of a duck call. And the reason why is because they know how to control their throat. They, they, they have that, that instrument of their voice to where they understand that you don't puff your cheeks and sing from your mouth. You sing from your belly and your guts and your diaphragm and with passion and energy and power, right? You have all of that airflow and that pressurized air coming up. And I always refer to Axl Rose, the absolute best singer of all time. So when he hits that, She's got a smile that it seems to me. And he goes into that. I, 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 that's all coming from my stomach. Yeah. Right? I'm not a good singer. I don't have a good voice, but I understand the science or the execution of singing to where I get what George Strait is doing or what Axl Rose or Robert Plant or somebody was doing. Right. Somebody yeah. like Chris Stapleton has that big, powerful voice. He's bringing it from way down low. And with the duck call or an elk bugle or a coyote call or the a howler or a, a short reed goose call, you have to, you don't go grr, grr and grunt into the call. It's just, I guess if you take the call, and I'm, this is a mega four and you turn around backwards. Yeah. <laughs> 
See, now that one right there, I added more air from the back of my throat that was different from my initial to where you taught me how to blow with more of the front of my mouth or operate the call with more of the front of my mouth where you could start getting that, where that air flow, that direction of air is pinched down a little bit to get those finer hands. Like Bobby Heim, when he hits that fine hand right in the middle of his routine, he's got all that power coming and then he almost stands up on his tippy toes like a little ballerina and goes, meh, meh. Man, and it sounds so yeah. real. Like this yeah. little hen is mouthing off in the in the raft of ducks, right, or in the marsh, or in the woods, or whatever. But I think it's more. And you get you get kind of different sounds. At least I'm hearing them on this end. That none none of those ducks were the same duck based on the position of that tongue and being able to manipulate that airflow before it gets to the pierced lips and into the call. Yeah, like say for instance a bouncing end, right, or a cajun squeal. That's truly, and I've seen it. I've been out in the field, binoculars, look out in the field. Ducks are feeding, and try to locate which bird is sounding off, which bird is you know making noise, and You'll see one, and they'll be sitting there taking rice and just eating rice as fast as they can. And I think that I'm not 100% on it because I've never really studied it, but I think the reason why they, they do that Cajun squeal and that, that real fine hen or, uh, you know, um, a bouncing hen is because they get that rice and stuff stuck in their throat. And that air, that air is trying to go around that rice, and it closes their throat up. You know, so it's not as wide of an open as throat as it would be, you know, without the rice. So um, that's that's what I think the reason why they do that. I'm not 100% on that, but, you know, I'm sure people have studied it. But, you know, Cajun squill, bouncing hen, you know, yeah, there's some ducks that just kind of don't really extend out their quacks or don't extend out their cadences. You know, they'll be like, <laughs> and kind of bounce it. But a lot of times, other than another, it might be an acorn in their throat or it might be a piece of rice in their throat. and so. They make that sound, but I think it's because it's constricted and the air is constricted. I, I think that, yeah, I think it has to be. I think that they got to have some kind of constriction. I think it's, it's just like when we do that, you're talking and you're eating a piece of stringy turkey and it gets in your throat. Yeah. I, I had to go in an ambulance when I was eating a hot turkey sandwich one day when I was a kid. And I was all of a sudden talking with my mouth full, like my mom and dad taught me not to do. And all of a sudden, I, 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 and I squeal. And she gets that little piece of rice stuck in her throat. It's the only way that that's why it's called yeah. Cajun. Cause that's the rice country down there. I mean, they do it in art. They do it in Arkansas, but here's what I wanted to talk about real quick. I do want to get into this thing that I do on a call where when people hear it, they're like, man, that sounds unreal. Right. But it's not realistic and it's not considered a bouncing hen. It would be more considered like a refuge call, quote unquote, I guess, if you go back in the days when people were doing it, but I want to get your opinion on it. Um, of the control of it and if it makes sense to you at all. But let's talk about what you refer to as the tree frog. And the the reason that I want to bring this up is because I think that if duck callers listening to this and watching us take this part of calling, okay, so I'm going to, what I think is, it is, okay? So if I'm blowing a duck call like we just did a second ago, I open my hand and I'm almost getting there. I'm getting that hair. I'm, I'm starting to get to the right air that I want. You told them about a flat quack. What? A flat quack. Flat quack? Okay, so not a tree frog. This is a flat quack. Yeah. 
Now look, that sound right there not only kills ducks, but that is the number one sound in the last year and a half, two years for myself that gets people going, whoa, that's duck. That's duck. So when we, when we initially pick up a duck call, or at least this is how it was for me, we didn't learn the flat quack to start. If we take the time and we discipline ourselves to learn that flat quack with wit, wit, I wit, wit, what am I doing? Softer air, but it's still pressurized. I think that if we use that as our foundation or our basis for all this other stuff, that it becomes easier to not develop bad habits in our air presentation. Because if you learn that flat quack and it's just a steady stream of soft air, pressurized air, and then you put that into a cadence, that air is coming from the front of my mouth like that flat quack teaches me to do but when we first learn how to do it from our diaphragm to our to our larynx and our throat and getting all that power behind the call we don't learn how to control our air like that flat quack teaches us or that fine henwood of getting that front of the mouth i just think that it's ducky ducky as heck it sounds like a mallard duck in the in the wild and i'm telling you when people hear that like my i got a producer here named jack when i hit that note he's like oh my god i thought that was ducks like that sounds like ducks right so my point is cifrio is that if we could teach people about that flat quack i don't know why i thought why it was mis you know misleading people with the tree frog totally different sound but ducks make a sound chris calls the tree frog i think if they start with that flat quack and that mechanical part of their mouth and diaphragm and everything, the mechanics that it takes to do that, I'm telling you, that's a great, a great foundation to be a good duck caller operator, a duck yeah, call because, operator. Because you're feeling, you're feeling the read, you know? Yeah. You're, you're te- definitely feeling 100% that read. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to make the call not fast speed, right? You're trying to make the call flat. Flat. And, 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 Really, to be honest with you, a lot of guys that are not good duck callers, <clears throat> they're just flat. They're flat on the top. They're flat on the bottom. You know, the whole nine yards. They're not blowing and getting that voice. And a lot speed. of it could do, a lot of it, correct me if I'm wrong, could be the call, though, too. Oh, it is. It Some is. calls it are is. built flat. Yeah. If a tone board's not designed right, yes, it will be flat as all get out. You know, you'll have high pitch, um, just flatness, no rasp, no voice. Um, into the call, but yeah, I mean, you know, the flat quack is like you said, and I, I'm gonna give credit where credit's due. Adam Amick, you know, and he can he lists the podcast, I'm sure, but one of my buddies up in Jonesboro, uh, he's the one that started doing that flat quack. And really I saw how deadly it was. He was doing it, doing it in the timber up there, uh, Black River, and man, it was just deadly. It's just it's something different. It's just like whenever, you know, people started putting out uh, uh, sandhill cranes or, or um, blue herons, uh, the, the birds, you know, they put them Con- out. The, the confidence decoys. Confidence decoys, right? I mean, they did that for confidence and it was a change. I mean, 
mallards would come in and be like, hey, man, a blue or heron. Like, like coot decoys, too. Yeah, coot decoys, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just something different to give to them. And I, that's why I think, you know, the cut down, you had a revolution. You had it to where it was like, you know, nothing but J-frames, nothing but J-frames in the woods. You hear everybody blowing J-frames. And then it went to cut down calls. And everybody's blowing cut down calls. And then now, you know, the Mega Four is a totally different sound. That's what a lot of guys are saying is, is that it's, it's just something different about it. And it's the pitch, you know, because I truly believe ducks don't hear exactly what we hear as far as on a duck call. I don't believe that. I believe they hear different pitches because, you know, they react. When you see them react, when you change something up, I think it's like, hey, well, man, I've never heard that pitch before. That probably is real. I haven't been hearing that all through the woods. Let me go check that out, you know. Uh, but a flat quack is something that hey, I hadn't been, you know, accustomed to at all over the years. And people, I mean, ducks do it. When they get on the water and they sit there, and they'll just, once mallards get in, they, they're real comfortable sitting on the water. I've got video of it, tons of them in the video, and I'm sure you do too. They'll sit on the water, they'll get down, they'll be beside the hen, and they'll start rocking that head back and forth. And they go, you know? So um, it's uh, just another thing to bring to the arsenal. But I, I do agree. I mean, if you can control the call, if you can make that flat quack noise, that's the first initiative of controlling the call. Well, that shows you the control of the megaphore that you can get. that control out of the call like that but you can also hit that flat quack i mean that's a lot of range in a call and i'm sitting down and i'm not well practiced right now and i pick up that call and i hit it bam and i haven't blown a call all day and it can perform like that and you get that much range out of a call well the thing too is i think that's the more, legit the more and more the more moisture you put in it the better it sounds. The more better you break that read, the more you break that read in. You know, because you can take the read out, and when you take that read out of the call, and and put it in your hand, you can actually see where the 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 actual wedge has been sitting up against there, and it it makes a a um, what would that be? Uh, makes basically a, a a bend. You can see that bend where it's been rocking. And it'll wear that rock in. It'll wear that little bend in. and just like breaking in a call, just breaking it in constantly. And then it falling just like a goose call, right? You know, a broken in guts, the reed falls into the guts, right? And it, in order for that goose call to be perfectly, the reed ought to fit totally perfectly and have no air escaping around it, right? And so when a duck call, when that reed hits the bottom and it hits that, that tone channel, that drill hole, It'll actually, if you turn your read around, and I promise you, you look on, on yours, you can see, and I don't know if you can see on the camera right here, but you can see 
where it's been falling on that on that tone channel. Oh yeah, flapping it, and it eventually it'll wear and it'll just break in more and more and more. That flex will break in the read will start just like anything else. Uh, mylar has memory to it, extreme memory to it. If you take a mylar sheet and you roll it up in a in a ball, um, you go try to roll it out. It takes days, weeks, sometimes months for that thing to lay flat. And it's because of that memory. And that's why they always, that's the only reason why they tell you, and we tell you, to grab the call, to grab your read, and find the bin. The reason why there's a bin there is because that, that sheet was rolled up that way. That's why there's a bin. No, nothing other, because I can take it and I can roll it up another way. I've done it before. And reverse the bend. And reverse the bend. But you should always have that bend down, right? It it should look like a skateboard ramp when it goes up to when it goes onto the tone board, right? Yes. It should be the band should go up like that, you know? Bend up. So Later. the control of a call, I want to ask you if if this sound that I'm gonna do is control or is it obnoxious or when you start to think about musical instruments, we're going to end this podcast like this, but we're going to come back with another talk. About, we're going to keep going on this megaphor because there's a lot of sounds on it. But the one point that I wanted to get across today is the, the range and the control of this call and why everybody's calling it the best duck call they've ever operated. And that's, I ain't BSing. That's what I'm hearing across the board. And I'm talking in duck country of Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Delta, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri Valley, you know, all of the Mississippi flyway, SEMO, Southeast Missouri, Northern Missouri. Um, I just want to do a thing and then you tell me what it is. And if it, if we try to get to this level of a musical instrument, what are we, where are we trying to get? Do we want to stop and just get to the point of like, well, we can do quacks. We can do some, you know, man, man, cadences, mix it with some feed chatter, mix it with some lonesome hens. Or can we try to do more on this, like Kenny G saxophone compared to seventh grade Missy saxophone? You know, like where where are we trying to get on a duck call, and what does the control and the balance and the range of this call allow us to get to? And I can do these sounds better on this call. Personally, remember, I've always admitted, like I'm nowhere near your level, but I've been working on this thing that that is mixing in like what you would call a bounce or a refuge and mixing it in with chatter, mix it in with greeters. I just want you to listen and give me your opinion. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Your honest opinion. Cause usually yeah, you I mean, lie and say that I sound okay. What was that? I missed that. Well, you were talking about where do you want to get, you know, what level do you want to get at? Where's, where can it stop? I mean, really, you know, you take John David, you know, JD, you know, his feet call. There's no. There's no other person I've ever heard in my entire life has a feed like that. It's amazing. It's. It's just. It's so quick. It's so on top of each other. There's quacks in there. He can get really aggressive. It's real fast. He can slow it down. But it's just so rattly. You know. I mean, we got video. I sent a video today. To the guy. He wanted to know what the mega four. He's like, hey, you know, I've seen a bunch of videos, and I sent him a couple of videos on the mega four with JD, and and then I sent him with Bobby Heim, and you know, I blew some and. It's just, and then you take Bobby Heim, his his cadences are just so realistic, you know, so on top realistic. of it. The best. He, he takes a fine, he takes a false, takes a course, he goes back into feed. You know, his transitions are fluent, extremely fluent. Um, 
but that's the level and that's what you can accomplish. I mean, I want a conduct call that you can, there's nothing that everything, the sky's the limit. That's what, I, that's what I want to try to do on this. And I want you to tell me if I'm getting anywhere with it. You're my, you're my instructor. You're my, my sensei, Chris Cifrio, the sensei. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you went on a, you went on that feed deal, and you know, and then went to that. that <laughs> sounds good. I mean, you know, if I'm going to give you any kind of criticism, see, you 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 can blow a feed call, you in competition like Main Street. You had no problem doing that. I have a problem of getting like really really fast. I can do a cadence like you know comeback cadence really fast, but as far as like going you know, real fast on the call. You know, I have a problem with that. And I think the reason why is because I try to feel the call so much. I try to, you know, feel the read so much. Um, but if I would say, you know, and I've told you this before, if I'd give you any kind of criticism is, is you're like a 10, bring it down to a six or a five on just slowing down. And then once you do that, you would find your transitions would match a little better, you know, um, kind of like, and, and Bobby called me the other day, whenever I was like, in my opinion, in order for somebody to win a competition, I don't care what you, I, I care what you sound. You ought to sound like a duck, but your transitions ought to be seamless. You know, there ought to be no band effect, right? No rubber band effect. No, you know, swinging a golf club. It's just perfectly fluent the whole time or shooting a bow, whatever it is, you know, throwing a, a fishing rod, fishing reel, fishing rod, uh, whatever, casting the line. But that being said, if you, if you do that, what happens is you start being more fluent 
you know, as far as on it. I mean, you sounded amazing. Um, I can't go that fast. I just, I'm not, you're, you're higher strung than I am. I'm kind of more, a little bit more laid back. It's kind of like, I saw that. I saw that in our seminars in Little Rock. Yeah, that was, that was was bloody. Uh, (laughs) That was like, you literally literally took me and threw you into the shards and a a blood. Yeah. So slow it, so slow it down pump the brakes and get my, feel the read more and feel the call more and get my transitions more seamless. Um, the speeds there, the, the, the sound quality, I know you can't hear pitch and tone and all that on the, on the, over the, over the microphone. So it sounds, it sounds like ducks just slow it down and get more control of the call. Yeah. So, I mean, like, um, stay on the bottom end, like you're getting real aggressive on the top, like but when you get on the bottom end and you're starting to get the ducks closer, then start getting your transition. You can still be close. Your your transitions can still be on top of each other, but you're it's kind of like um, say for instance, on a a uh, a pleading call, right? You pleaded a duck, you're just pleading, you're stringing those notes out. Well, take those notes and string them a little more out, but slow it down, if that makes sense. 100% makes sense. I'm oh. going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. And when we come back, we're going to come back with part two about the Mega Four. It's Chris Cifrio. It's Jargon Game Calls. If you want are interested in a Mega Four, you can call Chris at the shop or check out JargonGameCalls.com. You can check us out on Instagram at Jargon Game Calls. Same on Facebook. Sound files. Instructional videos. We got John David Stanley on there. We got Bobby Hyman, Chris Cifrio, myself, lots of other duck callers, my brother Clay across the country that are figuring out what jargon is and understanding what it means to negotiate with a mallard duck or a Canada goose or one of these other wild animals. We got an awesome line of turkey calls on there, box calls, slate calls, diaphragm mouth calls. We got them all on there. JargonGameCalls.com. This is the mega four. We're going to go out of this episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you, Chris Cifrio. Thank you, Jargon Game Calls. This is our good friend and teammate, Bobby Heim, on this exact call, the mega four, practicing for some of his upcoming contests. Thanks, y'all, for being here. Thank you, man.